Lord, I thank You that we can be gathered together in peace. First of all, that we can experience in our hearts peace with the Lord Jesus Christ and that we can have assurance in our hearts that we can be ready for that great day when You come to call us home. Thank You also that we can be gathered together in peace in a peaceful setting. Um, And Lord, I just pray for Your anointing of Your Spirit that it would bring conviction, that it would bring courage, that it would bring strength to our hearts. And I pray your blessing on Brother Eric. Give him courage and strength as he shares what you've laid upon his heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God bless. Good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 1. This morning I would like to look at the subject of patience and I was trying to think of a practical way to illustrate it. Um, I thought maybe if I would, after the prayer, I just would have stayed seated there for a while. It wouldn't have taken long. But then I thought, that's not quite accurate. That just makes everybody uncomfortable, not really impatient. Um, So I thought, what if I would preach till 20 after 12? (laughs) How would that make you feel? And there was some discussion. um, So settle back and get ready, I guess. There was some discussion at the beginning, um, before the service, of how long... I would need to go before, I would need to preach before people would start leaving. Uh, I thought 12.30, quarter after 12, someone else thought 3 (laughs) o'clock. You don't need to worry. James chapter 1, the first four verses says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now these next two verses are the ones I'd like to focus on. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I'll stop reading there. Margaret Thatcher was Prime Minister in England some time ago. In 1989, she said this, I am extraordinarily patient, provided I get my own way in the end. Is that how patient you are? How many of you are patient people? (laughs) You may think you are a patient person, but how do you feel about these things? How many of you have a microwave? How many of you enjoy or not enjoy? Go to fast food restaurants or drive-thrus. Have you ever counted the items in your cart to see if you can go through the express lane at Walmart? How do you feel about slow service in a restaurant? If you need to wait longer than 20 minutes... What is your attitude? How do you feel about long sermons? How do you feel about slow drivers? 
Why is it that the hour when traffic moves the slowest is called rush hour? How do you feel about those things? <clears throat> it's been said patience is something we admire in the car behind us, but not in the car ahead of us. We are impatient people. What is a biblical definition for patience? Uh, look again here at James 1. I think we can find the answer in verse 3 and 4. The trying of your faith worketh patience. And then verse 2, let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. Patience is the active endurance of opposition. That is a biblical definition for patience. An active endurance of opposition and it is basic to your Christian growth. You will not grow spiritually if you don't have to exercise patience. Now you would think that someone who has studied the subject of patience for a week straight, which I did, would have it on the forefront of his mind and I would be able to speak up here with authority and that I would... When, when something's that much on your mind, surely you would have it a little bit. And I thought I had it a little bit until I realized this morning I didn't. Things come up in our life when we think we're patient and suddenly we react or we say something um, and we are impatient. Patience is endurance, steadfastness, long-suffering. The Bible uses long-suffering many times as a synonym for patience, forbearance. My tendency was to look at patience as a small problem, a justifiable or a reasonable response to something. If you say someone's, don't be so impatient. It's not ideal, but we can overlook it. An annoyance when I see it in other people, but a justifiable response in myself. Something that's unfortunate, but not that big of a deal. We might think of impatience as a little quirk in our character. But there's a lot more to it than that. Hiding just below the surface of that impatience is an attitude of anger, of selfishness, independence, entitlement. And all of those things clearly show something about our relationship with God. And James 1 here shows us patience is important. It is, patience is a big deal. It's not just a little quirk in our character or something to be overlooked or endured. Impatience shows and reveals something of our relationship with God. Patient, the word patient, patience, or long-suffering are mentioned 60 times in the Bible. And as I was thinking and this is, these are basic thoughts, but I was thinking about patience and how it's, what it is. 
And it's only necessary when I want something that I can't have right now. That's, that's the only reason we need patience. When I want something that I can't have right now, maybe it's I want somebody to cooperate. I want pain or a problem to go away. I want people to hurry up. I want this situation to be resolved. It's something I want now that I can't have now. Patience is necessary when you can do nothing about the problem you're facing. Or another way to say it is when this problem you're facing is outside of your control. And now I got uncomfortable as I was studying patience and how it's necessary when it's outside of your control and the close relationship between patience and control. Did you ever think of how closely patience and control are related? Think of the times that you were impatient. If you're like me, you don't need to think long. Think of the times when you were impatient and there is always something that you couldn't control in that impatience. Maybe it's someone's attitude. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it was the traffic. Maybe it was your children's behavior. It was all, there's always something that you can't control. Patience and lordship are also very closely related. If I can define lordship like this, lordship is submission and giving up control, trust and humility. That's my own definition and you could probably improve on that. But I'm defining lordship as submission or giving up of control, trust and humility. Those three things are what lordship is and it's also ingredients for patience. Submission, or I'm lumping in with that giving up of control, trust and humility. There's two parts of patience I'd like to look at first from verses 3 and 4 here in James 1. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That's number one. The first part I'd like to look at. The second part is, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So the trying of your faith worketh patience is the first part. The second part is the perfect work of patience. So how does the trying of our faith work patience? Turn with me to 1 Samuel 13. Simply put, when your faith is tested is the only time that patience has a chance to grow. The next verse says it needs to grow. So the trying of your faith or the testing of your faith is when patience will grow. 1 Samuel 13 I'm not sure that I'll actually be reading verses here, but you can skim through as I as we go through. It's somewhat of a familiar story. <clears throat> In 1 Samuel 13, Saul has his, we don't think of it as his faith necessarily, but he has his faith tested. 
If he had used patience, his life would have turned out very differently. He failed to exercise submission. He failed to exercise trust. And he failed to exercise humility. Those three ingredients that are necessary, he failed to use them. Jonathan had just attacked a garrison, an army garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines were not going to let this go unpunished. And so they retaliated. They came to fight Israel with soldiers, it says, as the sand of the sea in number. A huge army coming against a small army of Israel. When the small army of Israel saw this, it says they hid anywhere they could find. They hid in the woods, they hid in caves, they hid in holes in the ground. They just wanted to get away. They deserted, they left. In verse 7, it says the few soldiers that were still with Saul followed him trembling. They were scared. If you can go back three chapters in chapter 10, you don't need to turn back, but back in chapter 10, Samuel told Saul to go to Gilgal and wait seven days until Samuel comes to him and he would tell him what to do. He would give him further instructions. He would offer the sacrifice to God. So Saul is waiting here and he's looking across and he's seeing this huge Philistine army growing and growing and growing and he's watching his small army hiding and leaving and getting smaller and smaller and smaller. He waits one day, two days, three days, four days. He's remembering Samuel's words of to wait seven days. He waits and on the seventh day he says, that's it. And he says, we've got to move forward. So he offers the sacrifice himself. Then it says, as the smoke is clearing, he's, he's not even quite finished, Samuel appears. And Samuel says, what have you done? Let's look at verse, I'll read verse 11 and 12. First Samuel 13, verse 11. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? Before, we, before I do that, how many of you have been impatient? All right, so this is somewhat practical this morning. Good. You have been impatient. Why? Why were you impatient? There's always a reason, isn't there? Well, I I was... I had to apologize to one of my children this morning for being impatient. And as I was uh, thinking about that, That's a humbling thing for a dad to have to do, but you need to do it. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, I could say I'm sorry, but here's, you can't say, but here's why I did that. That's not an apology. There's always a reason though. In our minds, there's always a reason why we're impatient. Verse 11, And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and thou camest not within the days appointed. And the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mishmash. Therefore, said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me in Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. There are a lot of things revealed about our lives in our excuses. And there's a lot of things revealed here about Saul in his excuses or reasons he would call them reasons we call them excuses 
We I view in myself impatience as a reasonable response, a justifiable response. I did this because of this. I wouldn't have acted like this if this wouldn't have happened. Saul is stumbling over himself here with excuses and finally the real reason for his impatience comes out. He says, I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. Or what he's saying is, I, things were getting out of control. I needed to take control of the situation. And on the surface, that seems logical. But who is he taking control from? That's the sobering part. Yes, things were seemed out of control to him, but who is he taking control from? He's taking control from God. He's taking it right out of God's hand into his own hands. And I, we're no different. When we take control of this situation, remember how I draw the comparison between patience and control, or impatience and control, either, either way. When you are taking control, you're taking it. You're taking it from God. Because you would all believe, you would, if I would say, how many of you believe that God is in control of, of your circumstances? Everybody's hand would go up. We believe, we say we believe that. So why do we need to take control? That's what impatience is, taking control. Submission, trust, and humility. If Saul had submitted to Samuel and he had submitted to God's plan, things would be different. If he had allowed God to keep control of the situation, things would be different. If he had trusted that God knew what he was doing, things would be different. If he would have been humble as he started out, he would have continued to receive God's blessing. And it would be exciting to read how chapter 13 and 14 would read. The story would be totally different in Saul's life if he had been submissive, if he had trusted, and if he had been humble, if he hadn't been impatient. All of these things spells impatience. The experience of Saul uncovered a heart that was proud and untrusting toward God. These three things, the ingredients to patience, apply to us today submission or letting go of control allowing God to keep control trust and humility within the brotherhood within this group of Christians here today there are not any two of you that agree 100% on everything They're just, it's not here there's no two of you that agree on everything But, in your mind, you're right. Right? I don't agree with you on this, but I'm right. Here's where we need patience. So I'd like to look quickly here at submission, trust, and humility. For patience within the church, we need submission. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another. <clears throat> For patience within the church, we need to let go of control. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Allow God to have control. 
For patience within the church, we need trust. Trust that that brother or sister that I don't agree with has my best in mind. And that is difficult. When you agree, when you disagree with someone, it feels like they're maybe swinging at you. If you're not there, what are they saying behind your back? Can I trust them? Can I not? You have to. That's what the church is. That's what the brotherhood is, is trusting that they have your best in mind. And then in a deeper sense, it's trusting that God has our best in mind. And Jesus gave, gave examples of this. He says, how many of you fathers know how to give good gifts to your children that ask? How much more does our Heavenly Father know how to give good things to His children? We need to trust that God does have our best in mind. For patience within the church, we need humility. Mark 10, 15. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Another enemy of, of patience is independence. Blazing your own trail. Within the brotherhood, we need interdependence. That is what patience is. Depending on each other, every one of you, every one of us, needs to be balanced by someone else. And that's where patience comes in. So the second thing I'd like to look at is the perfect work of patience. What is the perfect work of patience? Impatience says things like this. God is not acting fast enough. God is not meeting my needs. God did not stop this bad thing from happening to me. God is not rescuing me fast enough. And maybe you can think of other things that impatience says. James 1 verse 4, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Turn with me to Romans 5 for the answer of what the perfect work of patience is. Romans chapter 5. The first four verses, and there is a lot of things going on in these verses. It's full. So we'll break it down bit by bit here. The answer is in the last few verses I'm going to be reading here, but Romans 5, 1 through 4. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only say, but and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. I'll stop reading there. There is so much in these verses. In verse 1, it says, We are justified by faith. We are made right before God by our faith. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, we have faith and we are made right with Him. 
by whom or because of Jesus we have access by faith into this grace. Even even what I've just said there is a mouthful if you can if you can consider what all that means. Wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I wish the word hope was not used there because hope here means different than what we think of as hope. If I say, I hope it's a sunny day tomorrow, what, I'm, what I mean is, and you all know what I mean, but what I mean is, I, have, I don't know. I don't have a guarantee. It would sure be nice. I would really appreciate it, but I don't know. I hope. That's what hope means to us. But hope here almost means the opposite of that. The word hope here means confidence. We have assurance and a confidence. So in these verses, it uses the word hope several times, but don't, don't think of it as maybe, maybe not. It would be nice, but we don't know. That's not what hope means here. Hope means assurance and confidence. And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we can rejoice in the confidence that we will share in the glory of God. Do you have the confidence today that you are living in the grace of God and, and you will share in the glory of God? Do you have that confidence and that assurance? Are you living like you have that confidence and that assurance? Verse 3, And not only so, not only those things I just mentioned, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation, difficult times, worketh patience. Now, we can understand that. When hard times, we just looked at that at James 1. When difficult times comes, that's what tries. The trying of your faith worketh patience. That's how our patience grows. That makes sense. And patience, experience, and experience, hope. Or that confidence and that assurance. That is the perfect work of patience. That hope that confidence and that assurance is the end result, the perfect work of patience. James is saying you will have trying times and trying people. You will have trying times and trying people. But let patience do its work in your life. And if you do, you will be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Because, according to Romans, you will have that hope. You will have that confidence and that assurance. That is the perfect work of patience. So are you allowing patience to have its perfect work in your life? Rodney Loper is the president of God's Bible School in, I believe it's in Cincinnati. He said this, Patience is the practical outworking of faith in times of external pressures that are contrary to our desires. It's the practical outworking of our faith. So if you're impatient, what does that say about your faith? Throughout the Bible, there are repeated calls for endurance, perseverance, to wait on the Lord. So what is patience 
in a practical way and where do we need it? First on my list I have, we need patience in dealing with other people. People require patience because people make mistakes. People tell us no. People do things differently than we would like them to. People put us on hold. People make us wait in line. And people even do things seemingly for the purpose of annoying us. People need our patience. And if we are not living in the full assurance or the full belief of that hope or that confidence, we will lose our patience. Impatient people react rather than calmly respond. Patience with other people requires submission, it requires trust, and it requires humility. The second thing that we need patience for, or second on my list, is we need patience when dealing with pain. And the reason I have that following dealing with people is because people cause us pain. They're very closely related. David understood this. If you look through the Psalms, there's many, many instances where David is crying out to God for mercy and his and help. He talks about his enemies oppressing him. He needed patience. But David did allow patience to have its perfect work in his life. He allowed patience to work experience and he allowed experience to give him that hope, that assurance and that confidence. He allowed patience to have his perfect work in his life. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, or patience. This is what the Christian wears, is patience. We need patience when we wait on God. And you all probably at some time in your life, maybe young people especially, think about waiting on God. What does He have for me? What's His plan for my life? And you all believe God has a plan for your life because He does. But it takes patience to wait on God, to seek His direction. Or sometimes we know the direction or we know what direction we want and we seek His blessing and we need to wait for that. When this guidance does not come immediately, doesn't come on our timetable, we grow impatient and we become restless. And then we have to decide, is this restlessness that we have, is this God-given? Is He telling us to move to the next what he has for us, or is it put there by Satan to distract us from what he would have us to do right now? We need patience. While you wait for God to show you the next step, live live and follow God where you know he has you, where you know you are in his will. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. 
Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Psalm 27 says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I read an article about putting on patience. And it showed a picture of someone measuring someone else as if they were a a tailor measuring for this, this clothing they were going to be putting on. And I think every time I read the verse that I read from Colossians 3.12, put on therefore as the elect of God, and the last one mentioned was long-suffering or patience, I'll think of that picture. Put on patience. I'm not sure who said it, but it's excellent advice regarding patience. The same creator who formed you in secret is also the tailor who has fitted you for the garment of patience. If you follow his instructions regarding how to wear it best, your life will reflect it in all of its beauty. The same creator that formed you is the same creator that has given you patience. If you learn how to wear it, you will reflect that patience in all of its beauty. So again, on a practical level, how does patience look when you are in a position of authority? And many of you are in a position of authority in some, in some area of life. What does patience look like there? We said earlier it's submission, it's trust and humility. And, and that all holds true in authority. It is submission, trust and humility, but it is not permissiveness. And that's where it gets difficult. Patience is not permissiveness. It's not a roll-over-and-play-dead attitude. It's not allowing anything to go so that I can avoid conflict. Does patience have a limit? Is there... We go so far and then that's enough. No more patience. I don't think it does with us. Patience does not have a limit. Patience is more than just our actions. Patience is an attitude and a life lived in patience. It's a way of life. So I don't believe that our patience has a limit. Need can have a limit. I guess the, the, the limit of our patience is as long as our fuse is. Put it that way. Paul told Timothy to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Does that sound patient to you? But I didn't finish the verse. It says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering. So in patience, you can still do these things. It's not just being run over and it's not being permissive. There's a patient way to go about it. As a parent... Patience will not keep your children from experiencing consequences, but it will be gentle. And it will take time to explain. 
as a parent or a teacher or a leader or a, or a friend. Patience is willing to be inconvenienced. And that is a difficult one for me because when I'm inconvenienced, many times I feel taken advantage of or maybe even mistreated. And then something comes up inside of me and I get impatient. Patience is willing to be inconvenienced. Patience means loving the unlovely and the difficult ones to love. And I don't think we can look at the subject of patience without considering the patience of God. The Bible has many examples of God's patience. Since the beginning of time, God has told his people what he expects of them. How to act, how to think, what to say, how not to act, what not to say, what not to think. And for just as long, God's people have disobeyed him in that. Sometimes it's, and all of you have too, and sometimes it's, it's a, I use the word carefully, but accidental, not on purpose. But sometimes our disobedience to God comes out of frustration, a reaction, or anger, or you fill in the blank, I guess. But God is still patient. If we confess, He forgives. I asked earlier if patience has a limit. Does God's patience have a limit? We haven't reached it yet. But I believe His patience has a limit. And there's coming a day when He's going to say, That's enough. That's it. Time is up. Patience, as you exercise patience, it will not make your trials go away. It won't make the lines shorter. It won't make the trip quicker. But it will give the weight a purpose. Patience gives you purpose. Allowing patience to have its perfect work in your life, it gives it purpose. Because in the end result, you'll have experience and then experience will give you that hope or that confidence. Allowing patience to have its perfect work. I'd like to leave you with these two thoughts. Allow the trials of life to grow your patience. And then allow patience to have its perfect work in your life. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded, one toward another, according to Christ Jesus. If you're able to, would you kneel for prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your patience with us as we disappoint you over and over with our disobedience or our reactions. I pray that you'll be with us as we grow more and more into the character of your Son. Help us to be patient people, patient with each other, 
patient with the world around us to show the world what your patience is. I pray that you will just be with us as we continue to grow in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.